Section 18 of Satan's Diary by Leonid Andreev, translated by Hermann Bernstein. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. April 2nd, Rome, Palazzo Orsini. I do not want to lie. There is not yet in me, O oh man, any love for you and if you have hastened to open your arms to me please close them the time has not yet come for passionate embraces later at some other date we shall embrace but meanwhile let us be cold and restrained like two gentlemen in misfortune i cannot say that my respect for you has grown to any extent although your life and your fate have become my life and my fate let the facts suffice that i have voluntarily placed my neck beneath the yoke and that one and the same whip are furrowing our backs yes that is quite sufficient for the present you have observed that i no longer use a supercapital in writing the word i i have thrown it out together with the revolver this is a sign of submission and equality you understand like a king i have taken the oath of allegiance to your constitution but i shall not like a king betray this vow i have preserved from my former life a respect for contracts i swear i will be true to your comrades at hard labour and will not make any attempt to escape alone for the last few nights before i took this decision i thought much upon our life it is wretched don't you think so it is difficult and humiliating to be this little thing called man the cunning and avaricious little worm that crawls hastily multiplies itself and lies turning away its head from the final blow the worm that no matter how much it lies will perish just the same at the appointed hour but i will be a worm let me too beget children let the unthinking foot also crush my unthinking head at the appointed hour i meekly accept all consequences we are both of us humiliated comrade and in this alone there is some consolation you will listen to my complaints and i to yours and if the matter should ultimately reach the state of litigation why the witnesses will all be ready that is well when one kills in the public square there are always eye-witnesses i will lie if necessary i will not lie in that free play of lying with which even prophets lie but in that enforced manner of lying employed by the rabbit which compels him to hide his ears to be grey in summer and white in winter what can one do when behind every tree a hunter with a rifle is concealed 
this lying may appear to be ignoble from one point of view and may well call forth condemnation upon us but you and i must live my friend let bystanders accuse us to their heart's content but when necessary we will lie like wolves too we will spring forward suddenly and seize the enemy by the throat one must live brother one must live and are we to be held responsible for the fact that there is such great lure and such fine taste in blood in reality neither you nor i are proud of our lying of our cowardice or our cruelty and our bloodthirstiness is certainly not a matter of conviction but however hideous our life may be it is still more miserable do you agree with that i do not love you yet o oh man but on these nights i have been more than once on the verge of tears when i thought of your suffering of your tortured body and of your soul relinquished to eternal crucifixion it is well for a wolf to be a wolf it is well for a rabbit to be a rabbit but you man contain both god and satan and oh how terrible is the imprisonment of both in that narrow and dark cell of yours can god be a wolf tearing throats and drinking blood can satan be a rabbit hiding his ears behind his humped back no that is intolerable i agree with you that fills life with eternal confusion and pain and the sorrow of the soul becomes boundless think of it of three children that you beget one becomes a murderer the other the victim and the third the judge and executioner and each day the murderers are murdered and still they continue to be born and each day the murderers kill conscience and conscience kills the murderers and all are alive the murderers and conscience oh what a fog we live in give heed to all the words spoken by man from the day of his birth and you will think this is god look at all the deeds of man from his very first day and you will exclaim in disgust this is a beast thus does man struggle with himself for thousands of years and the sorrow of his soul is boundless and the suffering of his mind is terrible and horrible while the final judge is slow about his coming but he will never come i say this to you we are forever alone with our life but i accept this too not yet has the earth endowed me with my name and i know not who i am cain or abel but i accept the sacrifice as i do murder i am everywhere with you and everywhere i follow you man 
let us weep together in the desert knowing that no one will give heed to us or perhaps some one will you see you and i are beginning to have faith in some one's ear and soon i will begin to believe in a triangular eye it is really impossible that such a concert should have no hearer that such a spectacle should be wasted on the desert air i think of the fact that no one has yet beaten me and i am afraid what will become of my soul when some one's grubby hand strikes me on the face what will become of me for i know that no earthly revenge could return my face to me and what will then become of my soul i swear i will become reconciled even to this everywhere with you and after you man what is my face when you struck the face of your own christ and spat into his eyes everywhere with you and if necessary i myself will strike at christ with the hand with which i now write i go with you to all ends man they beat us and they will continue to beat us we beat christ and will still beat him ah bitter is our life almost unbearable only a while ago i rejected your embraces i said they were premature but now i say let us embrace more firmly brother let us cling closely to each other it is so painful so terrible to be alone in this life when all exits from it are closed and i know not yet wherein there is more pride and liberty in going away voluntarily whenever one wishes or in accepting without resistance the hand of the executioner in calmly placing one's hand upon his breast putting one foot forward and with head proudly bent forward to wait calmly do thy duty executioner or soldiers here's my breast fire there is something plastic in this pose and it pleases me but still more am i pleased with the fact that once again my greater ego is rising within me at the striking of this pose of course the executioner will not fail to do his duty and the soldiers will not lower their rifles but the important thing is the line the moment when before my very death itself i shall suddenly find myself immortal and broader than life itself it is strange but with one turn of the head with one phrase expressed or conceived at the proper moment i could so to speak halt the function of my very spirit and the entire operation would be performed outside of me and when death shall have finally performed its role of redeemer 
its darkness would not eclipse the light for the latter will have first separated itself from me and scattered into space in order to reassemble somewhere and blaze forth again but where strange strange i sought to escape from men and found myself at that wall of unconsciousness known only to satan how important indeed is the pose i must make note of that but will the pose be as convincing and will it not lose in plasticity if instead of death the executioner and the firing squad i should be compelled to say something else well something like here's my face strike i do not know why i am so concerned about my face but it does concern me greatly i confess man that it worries me very much indeed no a mere trifle i will simply subdue my spirit let them beat me when the spirit is crushed the operation is no more painful or humiliating than it would be if i were to beat my overcoat on its hanger but i have forgotten that i am not alone and being in your company have fallen into impolite meditation for a half-hour i have been silent over this sheet of paper and it seemed all the time as if i had been talking and quite excitedly i forgot that it is not enough to think that one must also speak what a shame it is man that for the exchange of thoughts we must resort to the service of such a poor and stealthy broker as the word he steals all that is precious and defiles the best thoughts with the chatter of the market-place in truth this pains me much more than death or the beating i am terrified by the necessity of silence when i come upon the extraordinary which is inexpressible like a rivulet i run and advance only as far as the ocean in the depth of the latter is the end of my murmuring within me however motionless and omnipresent rocking to and fro is the ocean it only hurls noise and surf upon the earth but its depths are dumb and motionless and quite without any purpose are the ships sailing on its surface how shall i describe it before i resolved to enroll myself as an earthly slave i did not speak to maria or to magnus why should i speak to maria when her beckoning is clear like her gaze but having become a slave i went to magnus to complain and to seek advice apparently the human begins thus magnus heard me in silence and as it seemed to me with some inner excitement he works day and night virtually knowing no rest and the complicated business of the liquidation of my property 
is moving forward as rapidly in his hands as if he had been engaged in such work all his life i like his heroic gestures and his contempt for details when he cannot unravel a situation he hurls millions out of the window with the grace of a grandee but he is weary and his eyes seem larger and darker on the background of his dim face only now have i learned from maria that he is tortured by frequent headaches my complaints against life i fear have failed to arouse any particular sympathy on his part no matter what the accusations i brought against man and the life he leads magnus would reply impatiently yes yes wondergood that is what being a man means your misfortune is that you discovered this rather late and are now quite unnecessarily aroused when you shall have experienced at least a part of that which now terrifies you you will speak in quite a different tone however i am glad that you have dropped your indifference you have become much more nervous and energetic but whence comes this immeasurable terror in your eyes collect yourself wondergood i laughed thank you i am quite collected apparently it is the slave in expectation of the whip who peers at you from within my eye have patience magnus i am not quite acclimated to the situation tell me shall i or shall i not be compelled to commit murder quite possibly and can you tell me how this happens both of us looked simultaneously at his white hands and magnus replied somewhat ironically no i will not tell you that but if you wish i will tell you something else i will tell you what it means to accept man to the very end it is this that is really worrying you is it not and with much coolness and a sort of secret impatience as if another thought were devouring his attention he told me briefly of a certain unwilling and terrible murderer i do not know whether he was telling me a fact or a dark tale created for my personal benefit but this was the story it happened long ago a certain russian a political exile a man of wide education yet deeply religious as often happens in russia escaped from katorga and after long and painful wandering over the siberian forests he found refuge with some nonconformist secretarians huge wooden fresh huts in a thick forest surrounded by tall fences great bearded people large ugly dogs something on that order and in his very presence soon after his arrival there was to be performed a monstrous crime the insane mystics 
under the influence of some wild religious fanaticism were to sacrifice an innocent lamb it est upon a home-made altar to the accompaniment of hymns they were to kill a child magnus did not relate all the painful details limiting himself only to the fact that it was a seven-year-old boy in a new shirt and that his young mother witnessed the ceremony all the reasonable arguments all the objections of the exile that they were about to perform a great sacrilege that not the mercy of the lord awaited them but the terrible tortures of hell proved powerless to overcome the fierce and dull stubbornness of the fanatics he fell upon his knees begged wept and tried to seize the knife at that moment the victim stripped was already on the table while the mother was trying desperately to control her tears and cries but he only succeeded in rousing the mad anger of the fanatics they threatened to kill him too magnus looked at me and said slowly with a peculiar calm and how would you have acted in that case mr wondergood well i would have fought until i was killed yes he did better he offered his services and with his own hand with appropriate song he cut the boy's throat you are astonished but he said better for me to take this terrible sin and punishment upon myself than to surrender into the arms of hell these innocent fools of course such things happen only with russians and it seems to me he himself was somewhat deranged he died eventually in an insane asylum following a period of silence i asked and how would you have acted magnus and with still greater coolness he replied really i do not know it would have depended on the moment it is quite possible i would have left those beasts but it is also possible that i too human madness is extremely contagious mr wondergood do you call it only madness i said human madness but it is you who are concerned in this wondergood how do you like it i am off to work in the meantime devote yourself to discerning the boundary of the human which you are now willing to accept in its entirety and then tell me about it you have not changed your intention i hope of remaining with us he laughed and went away patronizingly polite and i remained to think and so i think where is the boundary i confess that i have begun to fear magnus somewhat or is this fear one of the gifts of my complete human existence 
but when he speaks to me in this fashion i become animated with a strange confusion my eyes move timidly my will is bent as if too great and strange a load had been put upon it think man i shake his big hand with reverence and find joy in his caress this is not true of me before but now in every conversation i perceive that this man can go further than i in everything i fear i hate him if i have not yet experienced love i know not hatred either and it will be strange indeed if i should be compelled to begin by hating the father of maria in what a fog we do live man i have just merely mentioned the name of maria her clear gaze has only touched my soul and already my hatred of magnus is extinguished or did i only conjure it up and extinguished also is my fear of man and life or did i merely invent it and a great joy great peace has descended upon me it is as if i were again a white schooner on the glassy ocean as if i held all answers in my hand and were merely too lazy to open it and read therein as if immortality had returned to me ah i can speak no more o oh man let me press your hand End of section 18